Well, good morning. Um, it's so good to be with all of you. Uh, I want to, again, congratulate the class of 2018. Um, yes, well done. I, I think what's, like, it's impressive that you graduated. It's also, I think, a requirement. But it is more impressive to me that you showed up to church the, night, the morning after graduation and all of your parties. That means you're making good life choices. So well done. We're so proud of you. So good. And we're talking about wisdom this morning, which I think is perfect. I think that just aligns so well for um, all of you who are going into a next phase of your life. So we're starting out our summer series this morning in the book of Proverbs. And uh, this is often coined as the book of wisdom, as many of you have probably heard. And it's found in the Old Testament. There are conveniently 31 Proverbs. And there's oftentimes 31 days in the month, right? And so you've probably heard it's a great idea to start by reading a proverb every day. Well, I kind of coined this phrase that I'm a little bit proud of, and it's this. One proverb a day will keep the stupid away. So that, if you want to join with me this morning, the ushers are going to go ahead and pass the baskets. So thank you so much for trusting God with your tithes and offerings this morning. We're going to start by looking into the very first chapter of Proverbs. Um, the scripture is Proverbs chapters 1, verses 1 through 7, and it'll be up on the screen for you. This is the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So that is the author, right? Introducing himself at the very beginning. This is for learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity, to teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young. Let the wise also hear and gain in learning and the discerning acquire skill. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Would you all read with me what's been uh, up in bold on the screen, verse 7 out loud? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord, that's what we're going to start out with in this uh, amazing summer series. And just like it says in this verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the foundation. It's where everything springs from. If we don't understand this massive theme in the book of Proverbs and throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we're in trouble. But it's very interesting, as we'll get into more uh, later this, this morning, that this is something that I think many people cringe at when they hear the phrase, the fear of the Lord. It's not something that we, you know, is warm and fuzzy and we feel really good. We're not, you know, we're, we're a little bit uh, hesitant. And for very good reason, you know, there has been some really horrible things done to many people in this room in the name of God, right? Um, some of you have had horrible earthly fathers. And so when you think of the fear of the Lord, you think about that time that he, you know, your father raised his hand at you, um, and I just want to encourage you this morning that, that you would open up to a fresh and new perspective on what this phrase means this morning and that you would um, just enter into a new and, and holy place. So will you pray with me um, as we launch in this morning? Jesus, we are asking you, the leader of everything, to give us a healthy perspective this morning. Uh, we know that this is your word. It says multiple times throughout your word, the fear of the Lord, and it is coined as a good thing. 
And so God, I ask that every inch of my heart this morning as I'm speaking would be pointed towards you so that everything that comes out of my mouth would please you and honor you and be truth. And Lord, I ask that every person in this room would leave here this morning with a joy and an excitement and an, just a wonder in their relationship with you and that they would draw closer through this message. In your name we pray, amen. So from the beginning to the end of the Bible, we're told to fear the Lord. The Bible asks, do you want wisdom? Then fear the Lord. The Bible asks, do you want to lengthen your life? Then fear the Lord. Do you want God's protection? Do you want God's blessing? Do you want God's provision? Then fear the Lord. Do you want riches and honor, happiness, friendship with the almighty God? The scripture says fear God. Do you want to bring great pleasure to God? Do you want to learn to fear no one and nothing else? Then only fear the Lord. And if you do, parents, it says it will be well with your children. God says it, Moses says it, the prophets say to fear God, the apostles say it, and even Jesus himself says it. So when I think about fear, uh, I think of uh, just this last weekend, I went with a friend to go for a hike in the Tillamook Forest, and um, I brought my, my two dogs, Atlas and Eloise, and they are big. They're like 90-pound dogs each. And um, we got a little tired. It was about an eight-mile hike, and near sort of the end of it, it was a beautiful day, and it was last, last Saturday was a beautiful day. It was like 82 degrees, right? And so in the forest, it was like 78. It was perfect. Uh, perfect weather for something like this to come out and greet us. <laughs> and we come around the corner, I go, oh crap. And my friend's behind me, she's like, what? At this point, my two dogs, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna confess something. When it's an unpopular trail, I let my dogs off leash, okay? So my dogs, and I pick up their poop and all that. So <laughs> my dogs are ahead of us and they're having a good time. And uh, I'm all of a sudden worried. I know in my head, like, this is not a dangerous snake, but it's still a snake. And I'm worried more about my dog, Eloise. See, my dog, Eloise, has put just about everything gross in her mouth that you can imagine. We've had a dead bat, a dead rat, a dead snake. I could go on and on. So this girl has no, like, filter about what is going in her mouth. And so there's an alive snake, and I'm thinking, oh she sees that, she's going to go after it. So I'm freaking out. And so eventually my friend, my friend is behind me. She's absolutely no help. I'm like, we can just run around the side. And she's like, no, no, no. So I grab a rock and I start throwing it at the snake to try to get it to move. All of a sudden my dogs come running around the corner after I've told them, no, stop, sit, not interested. And they trample on the snake and they save the day, which is awesome. But the point is there are certain things in our lives that freak us out, right? And we have these moments called fear. And some of us have them on a daily basis. Uh, some of us, uh, you know, it's once in a while, but we all know that feeling very, very well. It's very interesting though, because in the Bible, you find out that there are really two kinds of fear. There is a fear that, you know, I was just talking about like fear of clowns or the dark or whatever, or being rejected or being lonely, right? There's, there's this, this human fear. But then scripture has a lot to say about this other kind of fear, and that's what, what, I, what I wanna zoom in on this morning. Um, there's, there's a fear that the Bible speaks of throughout the book of Proverbs, and there's a word uh, 
that I want us to learn this morning. And to be honest, I should have listened to the, the correct way to pronounce it. Um, it's spelled Y-I-R-A-H. It's a Hebrew word. So it could be Yaira or it could be Yira. I didn't take Hebrew, so... I apologize. This, these are the moments when I wish I would have for like once every five years. <laughs> um, so there's this word, and what that word translates to when we're talking about the fear that we're talking about this morning is reverence. It's a completely different type of fear. You see, in Isaiah 41, verse 10, it talks about the worldly fear that we have. And what does God say about that? He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I'll help you and I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is saying, I don't want you to fear anything or anyone except me. There's a well-known pastor named John Piper and he describes the fear of God as if we were caught in a terrible storm um, while exploring the Arctic. And the storm is so strong that you're, you fear that you'll blow right over the side of the cliff. But then you discover a cleft in the ice, a safe place, a haven. And you hide and you find shelter. But even though you're safe in that moment, you watch this storm go past as with, he says, a trembling pleasure. This is what he writes. At first, there was the fear that this terrible storm and awesome terrain might claim your life. But then you found a refuge and you gained the hope that you would be safe, but not everything in the feeling called fear vanished from your heart. Only the life-threatening part. There remained the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you would never want to tangle with such a storm or be the adversary of such power. The fear of God is what is left of the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. Oh, the thrill of being here in the center of the awful power of God, yet protected by God himself. And I think that's just a beautiful picture of what we're talking about this morning. It's a, what, I, what I would call a holy fear. There is a difference between the worldly fear and a holy fear. To fear the Lord is to be like Moses uh, maybe you remember this in the book of Exodus where he removes his shoes because he realizes I am standing on holy ground. Perhaps it's the disciples who feared for their lives in the midst of that terrible storm at sea, but then after they see Jesus calm the storm so the worldly fear is taken away, they stand in awe. And they were filled with great fear, it said, and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? How many of you are familiar with uh, the series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Narnia, okay, not really, that's it? Uh, can you raise a little higher? Okay, whew, all right, awesome. So uh, this is a picture of me, the reindeer at the top. This was my first debut on the stage. Um, this is when I, what I say is uh, my addiction to uh, public, um, I guess, attention <laughs> was born. Um, and so I got to play, I, I don't know, I think I was like six or seven, but this is so sweet because this is literally out of my scrapbook. My mom did a scrapbook for my whole life and I, it is such a, a gift. And so this is when I discovered C.S. Lewis and Narnia and all that. And I, I grew up doing musical theater, so I just love, I, I love everything to do with, with plays and what I was thinking about the other day was this particular quote that's found in the series, and many of you might be familiar with it. It's when Mr. Beaver says 
talking of Aslan, he's the lion, he's the, one, the metaphor of God. He says, is he safe? He asks that question. And the response is safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And I love that picture, right, of the roaring lion, the lion of Judah, as many of you have heard about our God, about our father, that no, no, he's not safe. He could tear you apart. He could take your life away in a second. But dang, is he good. So the first point this morning is this. Fear of the Lord is life-giving. And you know, after a week of some pretty gnarly celebrity suicides, I'm ready for some life-giving giving stuff. I don't know about you. And there's some scripture that all came out of Proverbs this morning for this. Proverbs 10, 27 should be up on the screen. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Just imagine that, just a wellspring turning a person from the snares of death. And then Proverbs 19, 23, fear of the Lord leads to life bringing security and protection from harm. Now this morning, I don't want us to confuse life-giving with safety. Because here's the hard truth of the gospel. It's not about a lack of suffering. It's not about it's all peaceful and good until we get to heaven. Instead, we often think that being life-giving means that we're healthy and content and peaceful, but we actually are promised a full and a meaningful life. And most often, that encompasses suffering. We're not, we are promised a depth that we can only imagine, a fullness that we can only dream of, but we are not promised security. When we have a healthy fear of God, our lives are fuller and richer and things become right-sized. So there's images in scripture of people literally falling on their faces when they see the Lord. I think they were scared, <laughs> okay? I don't think it was a, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm gonna fall on my face now. I think it was a, oh my gosh, I am undone in this moment. You are so powerful. You are so mighty. You are so big. I am nothing, Isaiah in chapter six talks about seeing the Lord whose robe fills the temple and his glory was more than he could bear. Woe to me, he says, I am ruined. I am unclean and I have seen the Lord. So fear really does mean fear in these passages. And I think sometimes we kind of try to skirt around that, but I don't want to lie to you this morning. <laughs> when we fear the Lord, it's because we realize how powerful he is and that he holds our very life in his hands. And then things change. Things begin to shift. Things be, begin to become right-sized in our lives. And in the kingdom of God, there's what a lot of people call paradoxes. And I first learned about this because when I was a student in college, we had chapel three days a week, and we had a whole series called Paradox. And it's the only one I can remember, so that must mean it was really good. And the idea of a paradox, the definition of it is this. It's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement that when investigated, proves to be well-founded or true. And I think this is one of them, that being afraid of God is life-giving. I think that's a paradox when you first hear it. 
Because usually when we're afraid of things, it's life taking, right? There's this anxiety that wells up inside of us. And there's this fear that we become consumed by. It's all we can think about. We lose our focus. It's not life-giving, it's life-taking. But in the scripture, we learn that the fear of God is actually life-giving. It's not like the fear of man. It's not like the fear of the world. Fear can be really good. It can force us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. It can give us the push that we need, right? I think, you know, for many of us um, who've, who've gone through the, the education experience, there's a fear like, I'm gonna fail. And I'm so afraid of failing, I'm gonna try really hard and I'm gonna get good grades. That's a healthy fear, right? There's, there, I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing you were scared of being a high school dropout and you finished, right? That's awesome. That's a good thing. It pushes you. An example of this might be fear of doctors, right? Fear of doctors is actually quite life-giving, and here's why. When my doctor says that I need to take a medicine twice a day, I do as they say. Why? Because I fear them, because I know that they know best, and if I don't do exactly what they say, then I'm in big trouble. They know way more than I do about medicine. Here, I looked up just some funny things uh, that you don't want to hear during surgery. And if you don't mind, I just thought you might want to like lighten, lighten up a little bit this morning as we talk about this topic. So here are a few things that you don't want to hear uh, during surgery. Everyone stand back. I think I lost a contact. <laughs> Someone call the janitor. We're going to need a mop and a bucket. Sterile schmeral. At least the operating room floor is clean. Med school? Nah, I got one of those mail-in diplomas, <laughs> right? So I'm so glad that doctors have a lot of training. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that they know better than I do and that I kind of am afraid of them telling me I have to change my life because <laughs> they cause us to do some really good things, right? Some really, make some really healthy choices. And that's what the fear of the Lord is like. We recognize that God knows way more than we do that he's greater, that he's wiser, that he's more powerful. So we respect him and we trust him and we do what he says. If you wanna write down a really brief definition of what fearing the Lord means, you can just write down these three words, respect, trust, and obey. That's what it looks like. Our second point this morning is this, fear of the Lord brings wisdom. So we have the fear of the Lord is life-giving, but the fear of the Lord also brings wisdom. So we began this morning reading Proverbs chapter one, verse seven out loud together. And in addition, I wanna read a couple of other scriptures. Proverbs 9, 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. We can all use more good judgment, I think. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. And then I wanted, there, wanted to, to plug in a couple of verses along the way this morning that are not just in the book of Proverbs because I want you to understand that this is not just Solomon feeling like he really cares about the fear of the Lord, okay? This is throughout the entirety of scripture. So here's another example. Isaiah 33, six. He will be the sure foundation of your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure, if you wanna be wiser, if you wanna make good choices, if you don't wanna regret your decisions, if you wanna know which way to go or to do what in this or that situation, draw close to God and fear him. 
He will give you wisdom. You know, obedience is a really essential part of fearing the Lord. And there is great wisdom, great wisdom in listening to what God has to say. Deuteronomy 6 Verses one through two says this, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, I want you to catch this, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord. So this is a generational thing that the Lord wants us to pass on to our children. That they may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keep, how, how do you fear the Lord? by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. So good, but here's the thing, friends. I think you, what has happened in the church, and again, I'll talk about this a little bit more, is uh, there was legalism that came out of that, that if you don't follow every decree and command, then you're done for. Obviously, we know the rest of the story. That is a very Old Testament kind of theme that we, we tear out. But there's, there's more to the story. There's good news, right? So God's not saying, if you don't fear me by obeying every single one of my commands, then be gone with you, away from me. He's saying, try your hardest. But you can rest in love at the end of the day, right? But that there is this respect, right? There's this love and there's the respect that happens, so how do you fear the Lord? By keeping all his commands. And to fear the Lord, as we've said, it's a deep reverence, it's a deep respect that leads to trust and obedience. So many of you heard, because I, I think I mentioned last week that my husband and I celebrated our seven-year anniversary. And so I was looking through some old wedding photos and I saw this picture of me and my friend Gabby. And uh, Gabby is one of my older friends. She uh, is from the sixth grade. And I, you guys, I looked for some, a great junior high photo, but those don't exist. Like, it was bad. I realized how vain I was in that moment because I was like, nope, not that one, not that one. So you get the professional photo, okay? Um, so we uh, got into trouble a lot together. She was uh, my best friend, not only at school, we went to a small little Catholic school. I can tell you all about that later. And then, um, she was also my next door neighbor. So literally we only had one house between us and it was, it was the dream, like your best friend next door and you go to school with them. We had walkie talkies, it was awesome. Well, one day uh, we decide that we're just gonna go our own way. And my mom is like, hey girls, I'm gonna leave you at home. I'm just gonna run to the store, grab a couple things. You're 13 years old, you can handle it. I've got my little sister who's 10 at the time. Don't do, you know, don't turn on the stove or the oven or anything like that. I don't want any fires. Yes, mom. Okay, mom. So she leaves. I'm really craving cookies in that moment. And how do you make cookies? They go in the oven. Well, not only did I want a cookie, my friend and I decided we want to make a mega cookie. And so we get to cooking and we fill up one cookie sheet of just one big thing of dough, right? So it's just like a massive cookie. And I remember thinking, this is an excellent choice because what I'm gonna do is when mom comes home, I'm gonna take that cookie sheet and I'm just gonna go hide it. She'll never know. Like she can't smell it when she walks in. Like I'm clearly the processing was very low at this age. And so my sister is, the, is gonna be the spy, and so she's like out by the driveway. She's gonna let us know when mom gets home. Of course, mom gets home, finds out. 
What I attempted to do though was I ran out because you couldn't take the cookies like in a bag because it was massive. I took the cookie sheet and I ran and I shoved it under the bush in the front yard. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird. And so she found it um, and I got into really big trouble. But the point of this story is this. Fear of parents is where wisdom is found. Okay? High school students. <laughs> and I think this is the case with the Lord, right? My mom knew better than I did. That was a bad idea because I didn't process things well and I very likely could have done something way worse than that. And the house could have been on fire. And I think the Lord is very similar in his dealing with us. He tells us, hey son, hey daughter, it's better if you don't go over there where I've marked these boundaries because I want you to be healthy and I want you to be whole. But instead, we often test those boundaries, right? So are there any graduates in the house today? Will you raise your hands again, graduates? How many of you like cookie dough? I mean, anyone? Because I'm just going to throw it, and one of you is going to have to catch it. So that is for you to take home and make a massive cookie and remember to fear your parents, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. So my third point this morning is this. Fear of the Lord is the beginning, and that might seem like an incomplete sentence to you, but here's the point. It's not the end. Fear of the Lord is just the beginning. It's the foundation. It's, it's basic. And yet so many people haven't heard this message. You guys, I have a list of preachers that I follow and get inspiration from. And uh, there, I have a list of about 10. And so whenever I go to prep a message, I want to hear what they have to, to say. Diverse perspectives from all over the nation, different race, different age, largely white men, like eight out of 10, because that's just the reality. But I'm really trying to expand my repertoire. So if some of you have something to recommend, please come my way. Um, you guys, one, one message I could find out of all of those preachers in the last 10 years on the fear of the Lord. It is not popular. It is not fun to talk about. Thank you, Jared and Anne. <laughs> it is not uh, sexy. It's not, we are, that is like so far from where our culture wants to go. We do not want to hear about obedience and about righteousness and about holiness and about purity. There's this illustration that I was thinking about um, in terms of the ocean. I love the ocean. If you ask me, like my husband was like, where are we going to vacation? Like the ocean. Like we're going to find somewhere like on this side of the United States or this other side or wherever, just get me to the ocean. He'd be like the mountains, but he's gotten very in love with the ocean as well. But he's more of a mountain guy. So that's usually where we go is we go to the ocean. And I, I was thinking, you know, I love to watch it. I love to, the smell of it. I love to read next to it. I love to walk by it. I love to explore it. I love to swim in it. But as a child, I remember my parents telling me, never turn your back on the ocean. They kind of told me, you need to have a healthy fear, a healthy respect of this massive thing out here because it's scary. There's weird stuff in here. Things could take your life. And so I have a photo of most recently. This was when we were parasailing uh, in the Caribbean just a few weeks ago. Oh, how wonderful that sounds. And we, uh, we were over the third largest barrier reef. And I'm, you know, we're looking out and you can see all of this reef. And I'm thinking, if, if we fall, like we dead. 
because we're hitting the reef and it's over, right? And then the sharks are gonna eat my body. It's gonna be really bad. But at the same time, I'm up there like, this is so beautiful. I feel so free. I'm so joyful. So there's this paradox, right? But there's this really good, healthy respect for this ocean that I cannot control. Now, I think that that is the same in our fear of the Lord. When we recognize the enormous difference between the infinite creator and ourselves, his finite creation, that is so powerful. But friends, it is only the beginning. It is not where the story is meant to end. There is so much more to our relationship with God than just reverence. Awe, wonder, fear, and trembling. God is mighty and he's powerful. And we have to understand that. If we, and if we don't get a grips on that, then I, I promise you your life will be in trouble because there is a holy fear that happens in you when you encounter God. And all of a sudden, you wanna live a life that honors him, that respects him. That's so much more than lip service. That's so much more than a friendship. The pendulum has swung over church history years. You can, you know, there used to be, um, the, the pendulum was over here. And this is where it was. It was turn or burn. There was a very popular um, pamphlet and uh, work uh, called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, I believe the pendulum has swung very far over here now. And it is, God is your friend. And that is absolutely true. God is peaceful and beautiful. And uh, we can skip with him through the lilies. You can do that. That God is therapeutic. That's all he is. He's just our, earth, he's our therapist. And what I'm hoping for this morning, church what I'm praying for all of Christianity around the world is that we would come to a healthy middle, that the pendulum would swing back. And I think it is, I'm praying that it is, that it would swing back and we would understand that we are to have the fear of our father who is strong and powerful and mighty and will beat people up with the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the acceptance. And once we can walk to this healthy middle, I believe that we are going to see revival. I believe that we are going to see more and more people come to know Jesus. We are going to see people want to, our churches are going to be packed because we're going to see a healthy demonstration of the gospel like we've never seen. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to invite God to right-size himself in my heart, in your heart, to remind us of his grandness and his power, to help us to have a holy fear that leads to a life of incredible wisdom and great choices and very few regrets. I wanna be holy. I don't wanna be comfortable. I wanna be wise. I wanna be wise beyond my years. I wanna look more like Jesus and I wanna relate appropriately with my father in heaven just like he did. So we're gonna sing a song together this morning. Um, before we do, I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna give us some instruction. So Lord, we are humbled by the massiveness and grandeur of you. Lord, that you would wanna be in a relationship with me and with every person in this room is astounding. 
the creator of the universe, the giver of life, the taker of life. Lord, it all belongs to you. And God, I ask this morning for every person in here who needs to have their perspective of you right-sized. Whatever shift needs to happen in their heart this morning, that by your Holy Spirit, you would come in and you would move things. You would move pieces in their souls so that their relationship with you would become richer and deeper and more powerful than it has ever been. And Lord, whether that's because they're on one side of the pendulum or the other, Lord, bring us to the middle. Bring us to the middle, Jesus, so that we can understand and hold both of these truths in a holy and profound way. And Lord, I pray an extra prayer this morning for anyone who is seeking wisdom in a situation right now, who needs your wisdom and knowledge to figure out how to respond, whether it's to a relationship or a situation. God, would you come in by your Holy Spirit right now and begin to speak words into them that make sense of these situations? We trust you to do that.